1 Peter chapter 3. Again, uh, blessed to see some of the gentlemen here. Uh, seeing all sorts of fishing and hunting trips scheduled for tonight out of nowhere. After uh, last week, last week we were together and we looked at uh, 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 6. And Peter there, he addresses the ladies and the wives and how they're supposed to act, how they're supposed to live within the marriage. So I wanted to give equal time so I don't get in trouble with anyone. Uh, so tonight we're just going to look at verse 7 and what does it look like to be a godly husband, to be that godly man. Let's read through the verse real quick. Verse 7, husbands. Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. If you gentlemen were at the men's conference or if you've heard the studies, uh, Sandy started off, and it's so true, how there's just a war against men right now. Uh, one of the greatest wars in our culture and in our society, it's against men. And it's watering down what men should stand for, how men should live, what men should uh, strive for and want to be and want to become. Uh, men are falling behind in school academically. Men are falling behind in the job realm and within corporate America. Men are growing in suicide rates, especially during COVID, more Way more men than women have been committing suicide during the season, and there's a great problem uh, within our nation with a lack of fathers. Uh, the stats with uh, living in a home with a single mom or versus living in a home with a single dad, uh, it's just insane what happens when you take a father out of a home and what that does to a young man or even to a young lady. Uh, so again, the power of this, that if we as men would apply these verses, not only to our own homes, but then to be willing, if our home is in order, to then also be a father to other men and to other young ladies, the tremendous blessing that we can give uh, to our family, to our church, to our nation. Uh, one of the pastors, he told uh, this story. Again, it's a good story. You have this sweet old couple and they're there on their 50th wedding anniversary and they're having an amazing time together. They had their appetizer, super fancy dinner, black tie. They get the nice black napkins, super nice, super fancy. They have dessert, super great time together. And all of a sudden at the end of the night, the husband just starts to weep. And he's weeping and he's crying and the wife's like, honey, what's wrong? What's going on? And he goes, honey, 50 years ago your dad told me I was getting cold feet and your dad told me if I would walk out, he'd put me in prison for 50 years. I just realized I'd be a free man tomorrow if I would have taken that option. <laughs> I hope there's no husbands like that here tonight. But if there are, man, this teaching is just for you. Uh, so again, the roles here. We talked about it last time. Women, they're not lesser than men men are not greater than uh, women we looked at the importance of submission it is only for a husband and his wife that's it it's not all women are to be submitted to men or just any husband cannot have any woman in submission to him no it is only for that one husband and that one wife within their roles and like we looked at again God he's the coach or he's the general manager of the team and for whatever reason he gave that C, he gave that captain to the husband for him to lead. And hopefully both of you, you have the same goal in mind, you have the same desires in mind, you both want to win. But for whatever reason, 
Again, I believe because God puts us in the situations where we need to lean on him more than our natural abilities, God placed a man with that sea, with that captain. So it starts off with husbands likewise dwell with them, dwell with your wife with understanding. That word dwell, it's to reside together as a family. Reside together as a family, that word reside, it's to live permanently or continuously. It's where we get our word cohabitation, which is to exist together. So at the very least, you should be living with one another, right? You hear these, every once in a while, just these strange stories of the husband lives on, in California and the wife lives in New York and once a month they meet and they have lunch and then they disappear and they go back to their own lives. Again, that should not be what a godly marriage looks like. But Peter here, he's not speaking that you should be your wife's roommate, right? I hope no husband and wives here have bunk beds, right? You guys are just bunk buddies. And she's got the top bunk certain nights and you got the top bunk other nights, right? That's not what it's speaking of here. It's not speaking of having your own dormitories within your home, right? You have your guy's dorm and your girl's dorm. That's not what it's talking about. But it is to really intertwine your lives one with another. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We'll jump back and forth between Ephesians 5 and 1 Peter 3 this evening. And in Ephesians 5, Paul, he speaks to husbands and wives. Again, this is probably one of the most famous portions of scriptures when it's dealing with the roles of the husband and the wife. But here in Ephesians chapter 5, we will read through verse 28 through 33. And here Paul, he says, So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and his flesh and of his bones. For this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This dwelling together, dwelling with our wives, it's to love them As much as we love ourselves. And guys, you could be honest. You love yourself a whole lot, right? I love myself a whole lot. And now God tells us that we are to love them as our own bodies. Again, dwelling together with them. Being knit one with another. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus here, he re-emphasizes, right? What marriage is supposed to look like. What even gender is supposed to look like. And in Matthew chapter 19, we should turn there. Again, very important, especially for the day and age that we live in and all the battles happening. But in Matthew chapter 19... Jesus here, again, he's repeating what happened in Genesis. He repeats it here in Matthew. Later on, we just read right in Ephesians. Paul reminding them, repeating the same deal here. And in Matthew chapter 19, verse 4, it says, He answered and he said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. 
Therefore, whatever God has joined together, let no man separate, right? Let not man separate. So again, this is God's design. He's the designer. He's the creator of it. That's why he gets to create the rule book. And we have to follow his rules. In your own home, you get to create the rule book under, again, the law of the United States of America, right? And you get to make the rules in your home. But the world, the universe, male and female, God is the one that created it. So he's the one that gets to make the rules. And he's the one that knows us better than we even know ourselves. But he says the two shall become one flesh, right? He says he made them male and female and the man, he's going to join his wife. If the male's taken, that means only the female's left. So the man is going to marry his woman, his wife. And that is what marriage is supposed to be. He instituted it. He created it. He made it. America doesn't have rule or authority over it. You and I don't have rule or authority over it. It's God's institution. God is the one who created it. And within marriage, we are one body and one flesh. Again, if you remember in the Garden of Eden, God, he puts Adam to sleep and he takes something out of his side, right? We call it his rib, something from his side. And he's literally pulling out of the DNA of Adam, he's pulling out a perfect helpmate. So Joe Foshi talks about, and it's true, not even identical twins were as similar as Adam and Eve were. Eve was literally pulled out of his own DNA. And that's, again, what marriage should look like. We are together to take on tasks, to take on problems for the glory of the Lord. We're not each other's task. We're not each other's problems. We're supposed to be teammates taking on other problems. The man is to exist together with his wife. Becoming one, they're supposed to share everything in life. Right? One bank account. Shouldn't have two bank accounts. His and hers. You pay the McDonald's. No, you pay for dinner. I paid for lunch last time. It's your turn. I put gas in the car. No, one bank account. One home, right? We talked about that. It's not, hey, let's go. To, I'm going to go to your house today. You come to my house. The kids, no, one home. This may step on some toes, right? One last name, right? One last name. Go to the courthouse. It takes a couple minutes, but get that name changed. Get that done. Here's another one. The same friends. Do you guys have the same friends? Do you share friends? Again, I don't understand it. I don't fully agree with it, right? Just, hey, let's go on vacation. Just girls night, right? Just girls vacation, right? And we're going to go out and just do stuff, right? Alcohol is usually involved. or guys getting alone. I'm just going to go to the bar with the guys, right? It doesn't really seem all that wise. It seems very worldly. It just looks like we're taking ideas from the world and we're trying to apply it to our own lives. How about even hobbies? Do you have his and hers? Are you sharing two lives? Do you go on separate vacations? Do you do everything separately? Do you have your own his and hers TV, right? You just get home. You have dinner together, hopefully, and then you go to your man cave and she goes to her I don't know what you'd call it, right? It's her abode or whatever it may be, right? And she's just watching her TV and you're watching yours? Or are you joined together? Are you one flesh? Right? I hope none of you, you get home and right, you're pulling out your arm and you're throwing that in one room, right? Cutting off your leg, throwing it in another room, and then you're sitting down relaxing. You're one flesh. You're together, and hopefully the more time you spend with one another, the more you're going to grow in love with one another because you're spending time with the Lord. Now, how are we to dwell with them? We are to dwell with them with 
understanding. Again, dwell with them with understanding. Not dwelling with them, understanding them. That's not what he's saying here. But dwell with them with understanding and knowledge, right? Can I love my wife? Kenny talks about it. They're like another species almost, right? Completely different. Completely different. We're not going to understand certain things within them. But we are to dwell with them with an understanding or with a certain knowledge. The Greek word here is gnosis, which is different from the word gnosko. Gnosko is where we get our word for intimacy, both intimacy with God and also the sexual intimacy between a husband and wife. Guys, that's not the knowledge here that Peter's talking about that you should be dwelling with your wives with. The word understanding here, this is an objective knowledge. It's the ability to judge. It's a general intelligence. You should have a general knowledge about your wife. You should have the ability to judge your wife and how she's acting, how she's reacting. Or if you're getting better and better, a seasoned husband doesn't just realize how she's acting, but he's able to think and process why she's acting the way she's acting, right? That she's blowing up on you, but it's not because of you. You're actually not the enemy, right? It's just something bad happened at work, and now she's just sort of taking it out on you and got to take it for a little bit. You don't tell her how to fix it. You just say, man, honey, that stinks, right? That's when you're dwelling with her with more and more understanding. The word intelligence there, it's the ability to learn and understand. The ability to deal with problems. And many times in marriages, the problems arise and the husband just says, man, I just don't understand her. I just don't know her. She makes no sense to me. And it's, it's a common problem in marriages. It's the communication. But it's on the husband because he's not dwelling with her, with understanding, a knowledge about her, and intelligence when it comes to her. I don't know when was the last time you applied for a job, but certain jobs require that you're proficient with certain types of skills, Right? Maybe it's certain computer programs or even computer languages. Maybe you applied and you had to be proficient in Word or Adobe, AutoCAD, Photoshop, C++, Illustrator, different things like that. Husbands, the question for you is, are you proficient in your fill your wife's name there, right? Am I proficient when it comes to Amanda and speaking the language of Amanda? Because that's what my life's work is to be from here on out. We need to study our wives and be able to understand where they are coming from. That is the role of the biblical man. is to understand and know his wife. To know where she's coming from. To know what makes her tick, right? Husbands, do you know her birthday? Do you know her, your anniversary? Her favorite color, her favorite perfume, her favorite cologne... Her favorite flower, her favorite food, her favorite store. That one's easy, right? It's Target, nine times out of ten, right? <laughs> Do you know your wife? Do you really know her? Are you proficient? Do you know her? Could you write the book about her? Men, we, we generally love a challenge where we need to study and understand the battlefield and what's taking place and what makes things tick. And we use that understanding to wield a favorable outcome. Generally, that is what men like to do and guys say it's too hard to understand her I, I'm just not good at that I, I just got a bad memory so that's why I can't remember her birthday or her anniversary or where we went on our first date right I'm just not that good at that right guys can you explain to me what a uh, triangle offense is 
Can you tell me what an I-formation is or a Hail Mary play? Can you tell me how a carburetor works or which gas to put in your car? Can you tell me what FG knot is or braid versus mono, right? Can you tell me the difference between barbecuing and grilling? Basketball season, how many games, how many teams there are? Can you tell me the whole bracket of March Madness, right? Can you tell me woodworking, right? The different screws, the different woods, how you got to use softwood or hardwood in certain applications. Right, some of the younger guys, video games. Can you tell me the whole history of video games and what the Halo saga means and what it looks like, right? Or certain board games. We know the rules of every board game and their nuances and we fight and we argue about them. But you're telling me it's too hard to understand her? Or truly is the problem you just don't think she's worth understanding? Because that's what God's word is literally about to tell us. The things that we view as worthy, the football, the basketball, the car, the board games, the video games, we see that as a challenge we want to take. We see that as, oh, that is worthy, right? That is something we want. But as a husband and wife, we need to truly know that she is worthy of my studying to understand her. She is worthy of my studying to know her. Matthew Henry, he says, dwelling with the wife according to knowledge not according to lust, as a brute, nor according to passions, as a devil, but according to knowledge, as wise and sober men who know the word of God and their own duty. Again, we need to study to know our wives, but God's word also warns us that we should study to show ourselves approved, right? As men, we should be studying the word of God. You're the one that's going to be held accountable for what is allowed into your home. What's allowed through your television. The ideas that your kids are picking up in at school. That's on you. That's on me. At the end of the day, when Eve messed up in the garden, God didn't come to Eve and say, what did you do? He came to Adam. He said, Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding? Adam, what's going on? What's happening? Adam was the one that was held accountable Right? And a part of marriage, it's just studying and falling in love with the same woman over and over and over again. Right? That's the interesting thing with marriage is that there's different seasons. And just when you thought you understood it, right? Just when you thought, okay, I know her. I know what makes her take. You're just saying, what just happened? Right? <laughs> Everything just changed. Everything just completely changed. There's a quote, couldn't find who wrote it, but a successful marriage requires falling in love many times. Always with the same person. I was listening to Joe Foge and I don't know, I think it's pretty true, right? First you're dating and you're courting and you're engaged and it's you two versus the world, right? You get married first year, second, you got your friction but it's you two versus the world, right? Then she gets pregnant and all of a sudden you're like an outsider, right? You don't know her that well, it's her and the baby. And now all of a sudden you're a go-getter, right? Hey honey, can you go get me diapers? Honey, can you go get me wipes? Honey, the pacifier fell. Can you go clean it up? Honey, can you go get this? And you feel like a delivery man, right? What happened? We were together. It was us two versus the world. This little punk came in here and messed everything up, right? <laughs> but you got to know the seasons. You got to know her. You got to know what blesses her, what cares for her. If you only have one kid and that's where you're at, hey, Joe, what Joe Fo says, not me, you could call Joe, call CC Philly, right? He says after the second kid, then it's two on two. So she comes a little bit closer to you, right? Now it's you two versus them two. He says, after three kids, that's when you finally get your wife back, right? Because that's the only way she can survive. It has to be you two versus the three because then you're outnumbered. And again, men, if we know how to fish in different seasons, 
If we know how to hunt in different seasons, if we know which sport is going on at what season, got to be able to know your wife over and over and over again in each and every season. We have to become proficient in knowing our wives. And it's going to change. It's going to change. I'm, I like to do things once. So when Amanda, she first got pregnant with Leva, I was like, okay, the whole cravings thing, I got it. They got like one craving. It's the same craving all the time. So it was Tostitos, limes, chips, and tomato soup. Those are the first two, right? So I went to Costco, and I grabbed bags of Tostitos lime. It was like two, two quart jugs of tomato soup. She had the chips. She had the soup. And the next day, I'm like, I'm ready. I got everything there. I don't have to go out again. Honey, I don't like any of that stuff, right? I have a new craving. It's this. I had tomato soup for a long time, right? And it's getting to know her, getting to know her, studying her over and over and over again. But again, guys, the things that you love, the things that you enjoy, we do it. You keep up with the roster of the Dolphins. You keep up with the heat roster and all the trades, all the salaries, all the coaches, all the law, the comic books, the things we enjoy, we can keep up with. So again, we should study her. We should dwell with her with understanding. Then it continues giving honor to her. The reason why we're willing to study her like this is because we are giving her honor. And again, this is where we need to be reminded of the context of what's going on and around during 1 Peter chapter 3. You see, some people that don't know history think that Christianity oppresses women. That Christianity, it's a religion that holds women back, that puts them down, that it's terrible religion, right? There's nothing in the world, culture, time that has done more for women than Christianity. Nothing else. That's why the disciples were blown away that Jesus was not only sitting with the Samaritan, but with the Samaritan woman? Jesus, are you kidding me? Jesus, you're going to allow that woman to touch the hem of your garment? Jesus, you're going to allow that woman to touch your feet and wash your feet with her hair? Again, he's done more for women than anything else in history. David Guzik, he says, this was a radical teaching in the world that Peter lived in. In that ancient culture, a husband had absolute rights over his wife, and the wife had virtually no rights in the marriage. In the Roman world, if a man caught his wife in the act of adultery, he could kill her on the spot. But if a wife were to catch her husband, she could do nothing. All the duties and obligations in marriage were put on the wife. Peter's radical teaching is that the husband has God-ordained duties and obligations towards his wife. Again, you don't find this in many other religions, ladies. Gentlemen, you don't find this balance within other religions. This is something that God has ordained because God has created both men and women in the image of God. And that's why we're both special. That's why we are both equals, just given different roles and different places to go to. If you think that this is such an oppressive religion and such an oppressive nation when it comes to women, I encourage you, go to the Middle East and see how the women are treated there. Go to Africa and see how the women are treated there. Go to some of the mission trips that we go to in Costa Rica or in Central America and look at what the women are doing and look at what the men are doing. They're just drunk under trees all day long. That's what the men are doing. What are the women doing? Everything else. Working, caring for the kid, getting the water, getting the food. Many other cultures and nations that have not been affected by Christianity, women are still living exactly like that today. 
So again, for us to know our history and know the value of what we have in following God in a biblical way. But again, as men, we are to give honor to our wives. What does that mean? Honor, it's a valuing by which the price is fixed. We are to look at our wives and give her a certain value, a certain preciousness. It's to show one honor. It's to give her special recognition. So again, men, do you value your wife? She's the most important person, thing, anything in your life? Or do you think you could just find another one? You're trying to upgrade models. You're trying to find a new year. Or do you value her? Do we show her honor? Do we give her special recognition? Are you still treating her the way you did when you were trying to date her? Or were you recording her when you were engaged to her? Or you say, honey, I told you I do and I love you at the wedding day and that's all you need to hear, right? I'll tell you if it changes. That's, that's terrible, man. You got to show her honor. You got to show her that you value her. If not, what we're doing is that we're tearing her down. And when we tear her down, as we just read, we're tearing ourselves down. We're one flesh. We're supposed to love her like we love ourselves. So when we tear down our wives, when we disrespect her, when we talk garbage about her to our buddies or in, at the church, we're cutting off our own legs. We're hurting ourselves. And we need to love her not only like ourselves, but we need to love her like Jesus Christ loved the church. He was willing to go into her world and die there, right? Simply put, are you willing to really die for your wife? And many men, yeah, you know, if there was a, a gun guy come and try to shoot me, I, I'd jump in front of the bullet and push my wife out of the way. Are you willing to live for her? It's pretty easy to die, right? It's just over and done with. But to live for someone each and every day, are you really willing to do that for your wife? Chivalry, it shouldn't be dead, right? You should be caring for her. You should be opening the door for her. You should be complimenting her. You should be, not at church in the middle of a worship service, but you should be showing her public affection, right? You should be kissing her. You should be holding her, right? Those things should be happening because you value her. Do you talk up your wife? Do you talk about her? Or again, like we talked about, only your hobbies. You talk about how amazing the game was, how amazing this is, how amazing this hobby is. You show your trophy of the fish you caught or the animal that you were able to shoot. But do we treat our wives with honor? Are we building her up? Do other people know about how much we love our wives, how special they are to us? And again, in the world, this is a foreign concept. At work, you'll probably get made fun of doing this, right? They'll call you weak or a sissy or something like that. But this is how we should be acting as a husband. Again, you don't see Christ bad-mouthing the church ever in Scripture. Don't see him bad-mouthing the church or talking garbage about the church. And let's be honest, the church today is pretty jacked up, right? The church in Scripture, what's happening in Ephesians and all over the place, it is jacked up. It's messed up. And you never see Jesus talking garbage about them. As husbands, we should be protecting our wives. We should be honoring her, respecting her, giving her the value that's due to her, Right? Again, all of you guys have your own little collections, right? The little things you put in the top shelves of your house, right? Some guys are still into toys. They just don't know it, right? They have their little action figures, their little things, and they take care of it. It's with honor. This is of high value, right? Baseball cards, basketball cards are getting relevant again, right? The guys have their little baseball cards, basketball cards. Right? Oh, this is so special to me. And yet they treat their wives like garbage. 
I don't care about it. We need to give her honor and value. We need to show her, right? Women, what they care about is showing them how much you value them. Are you showing her that you value her in the things that you do and the time that you give her and putting her at the top of your priority list instead of the end, right? Have everything in your hobby, have all your fishing rods in order, but the couple of things he's asking you to do around the house, they don't even know what it is. What you're showing is you don't value her as much as you do whatever hobby you may have. Then it says to honor her as the weaker vessel. I don't know why the ladies just always get a little annoyed at this portion of scripture, right? What is Peter talking about? You got to remember, Peter's married. Peter's married and he's writing this, right? I think he had like some extra sweat, right? He's wrestling with it. He's worried, man. What happens when she gets the letter back and she reads what I wrote, right? Again, I'm not a professional at this. I'm not amazing at marriage. About to be married 10 years, love being married. I'm not perfect. I don't love Amanda like Christ loved the church. That's my goal, but I fail more often than not. Uh, one of the young adults, they were saying, that was a pretty good compliment. They said, man, your wife is always talking about how people should get married. So I guess your marriage is pretty good, right? And I said, yeah, I guess so. That's the one way to look at it. But again, just being biblical. And when you're biblical and you get to just relax more. And enjoy life and not take it so serious. So again, ladies, men, what it tells us here is that ladies are the weaker vessel. Now we take all of this. Let's look at it up. First and foremost, we are all vessels and we are all weak. Both the man and the woman. Guys, hope, oh, my pride. No, you're weak as well. I'm weak as well. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 7. This is Paul once again. He's talking about the power of Christ that we have inside of us. Yet, what we are, it's nothing but a bunch of cracked pots, right? A bunch of jars of clay. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 through 7, it says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts and to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. The ESV, it reads verse 7, that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are all weak vessels. Man, if you take this verse to put your wife down or to show dominance over her, you're weak, you're foolish, you're a joke. We are all weak. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, let's turn there real quick. We'll look at this now and we'll look at it at the end of the study. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 through 8, it reads, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel. How should we possess our vessel? In sanctification and in honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one should take advantage and defraud his brother or sister or spouse in this matter. Because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, 
but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Again, we're all vessels. We're all weak. That's first and foremost. That is the basis. Especially in comparison to God, we're all weak. But what Peter's speaking about here is that women are weaker when it comes to physical stature and emotions. God has just created you differently than the men. Sadly, oftentimes, spiritual-wise, the women are stronger vessels than the men. The first people to go and see Jesus' tomb empty, it was a bunch of women. Again, I love you guys. I hope I can be this honest. The first few church services after we opened up after COVID, the most people that came, it was all women that were coming. The guys, they were still afraid, still concerned. Most of the people that came the first few services to church, it's women. The ladies' Bible studies, slammed, packed. The guys' Bible studies, let's pray, let's have more guys come, right? Ladies, they're stronger in a lot of areas. They're stronger in the home, being able to multitask, be with the kids, be able to cook, paying attention to this, homework, schoolwork, the bills, the this, the that. The guys are just one-track mind. But when it comes to physical stature and structure and emotions, God has just made the men a bit stronger than them. And if that hurts your pride, ladies, I mean, I don't know. Do you really want a husband that you're like, hey, honey, I can't open this jar of pickles. Amanda, can you please open this for me, right? Ladies, do you want your husband in the middle of the night? Honey, I'm scared. <laughs> Amanda, there was a noise outside. Can you, can you go check it out? Please, honey, can you check? Like, ladies, is that really what you desire? Is that really what you want? Your kids are heard, right? And... Go talk to your mother. I just, I can't handle this. It's just too scary, too frightening. Is that, ladies, is that really what you want out of your husband? Again, God, the creator of heaven and earth, he made them male and female. This is his design. We're on the same team, but God put us together for whatever reason. He made the man the captain. People say numbers never lie. Here's some just stats and numbers. According to healthline.com, men 18 to 35 years old possess the average 40 to 40% muscle in their body. Women, same age, their average is 31 to 33%. So again, Peter is not being chauvinistic. He's just stating facts. Looking at weightlifting world records here. A lady by the name of Najat Corey from Australia, she owns the world record in squatting. And she can squat 232 kilograms or 511 pounds. That is way more than I can squat. I'm a guy. <laughs> However, Andrei Malenchev from Russia owns the men's world record in squatting, and he can squat 470 kilograms or 1,036 pounds. It's more than double of what our lovely, she's probably a lovely lady, Ms. Najat Corey can squat. <laughs> so again, this is God's design. This is God's creation. This is what God has created. And the differences is what makes life beautiful. That's what makes life beautiful. There's a couple weddings coming up and all the ladies are looking at different dresses, different colors. Would you like it if you showed up with the same dress as another woman there at the wedding, right? Or all the women have the same exact dress? Hopefully not the wedding dress, right? But all the women come with the same exact dress. It'd be boring, 
God has created life to have differences and we should celebrate the differences, not try to squash everyone and make everyone look exactly the same. And the beautiful thing is this, ladies, and for the men here, a godly man sees a weaker vessel and naturally only wants to defend it all the more. A godly man sees a weaker vessel and he wants to give it more honor. A sinful man, the cowardly man, he sees a weaker vessel and he wants to take advantage of it. The sinful, the cowardly man sees a weaker vessel and he wants to force his will upon it. Again, ladies, the more you own your role, your biblical role, the more your man, your husband is going to want to defend you and honor you. That's what God's word tells us. A.R. Faust said, he says, both the husband and the wife, they are vessels in God's hand and of God's making to fulfill his gracious purposes. They're both weak, but the woman is weaker. The sense of his own weakness and that she, like himself, is God's vessel and fabric ought to lead him to act with tender and wise consideration towards her who is the weaker fabric, giving her honor. Again, this is the biblical mandate. Guys, do you, are you just like, see one of your buddies hurting and you just, ay, pobrecito, right? Poor guy, he's hurt. No, because he's the same as you. He's another guy. You tell him, butch up, right? The guys they've been doing jujitsu or you work out with another guy, we're not very nice, right? The guy's throwing up and we're like, come on, sissy, keep going. Let's go. You got five more miles to go. Ladies, is that how you want your husband to treat you? And sadly, that's what some guys have in their mind in marriage. I'm going to marry another dude. He's going to be me and my buddy, right? Just watch football together all the time. and take her fishing with me, hunting. She's going to love it, right? That's not what God's created and ordained. Again, at times you see these incredible pictures of soldiers and law enforcement when they come to a call and their small children there on the scene. And you see how they instantly melt, right? They completely change because it's a weaker vessel. And a weaker vessel in a godly man, in a biblical man, it creates a desire to protect and to honor. Again, we're both vessels. We're both weak. Shouldn't find pride in the Bible saying that you're the weaker vessel. It's just the roles that God has created and ladies you may try your best to puff yourself up and to be the same vessel as your husband to not look like the weaker vessel but I promise that it's going to backfire on you that instead of your husband wanting to honor you and protect you he's going to say butch up honey you're hurt too bad go run keep running go knock out another 20 push-ups right your strength may get to the size where now your husband's response is not to honor you but it's to treat you just like one of the other guys. And that's the danger. That's the danger when we don't fulfill our biblical roles. Again, two guys, they can hang out and they don't say a single word to each other. And you may put yourself to a place where you hate the biblical mandate so much that you try to put on that role. I'm not weaker, I'm the same. And now the guy gets home. Hey, honey, make sure dinner's ready at six. I'm gonna go to my room, right? Everything good, honey? Everything's fine. Good, good to know. And he just goes on. That's got to be biblical. And men here, I hope that you're not the sinful man that we talked about. I hope there's no men here that are that cowardly man that they see a weaker vessel and they're looking to take advantage of her. That they're trying to force her will on her. 
manipulating her emotions, manipulating her physically or spiritually. Again, you should be ashamed of yourself if you're here and you're that cowardly and sinful man. Again, God, he wants to forgive you, but you got to turn from your sin. you got to turn from your wicked ways. If you've raised your hand at your wife or any woman, if you've manipulated her, trying to use Bible verses to do things to her, shame on you. Again, I encourage you, try to do the same thing with a guy that weighs 50 or 100 pounds more than you. A guy that's 6 to 12 inches taller than you. A guy with 10 more percent muscle than you do. And try to do those same things. That's what I encourage you to do. Sometimes we do jujitsu. You should come on out. Talk to us. Tell us what you're doing to her, right? We should be looking to protect our wives. We should be looking to honor her and to dwell with her. Last two, it says that we are heirs together. We're heirs together. You are. Again, I don't know how many Bible studies we talk about. I've never heard of a, a men's conference, right? Princes of the king, right? This, this doesn't happen, right? <laughs> princes of the kingdom, right? We don't talk about that, right? But we're heirs together. She's a princess of the king. You're a prince of the king. Maybe some of the guys are super happy about that. Feel so special. But right, we're heirs together. We are heirs together of the kingdom. You're a son of God. She's a daughter of God. You're a brother with Christ. She's the brother of Christ. And this is to get us to realize she's not my wife. And this may sound strange to some of us, right? She's not just my wife, but she's my sister in Christ. Before marriage and after marriage. You're here, you're courting. That's your sister, man. Say, what? Right? What are we talking about? That's your sister in the Lord. You're engaged till you say, I do. That's still your sister in the Lord. That's the way you should treat her. She has equal access to God. You can be praying. Honey, the Lord has shown me. We need to buy a boat. She has the same access to God, right? She has the same exact access to God. Got to be careful with that. I hope none of the men here have allowed their wives to surpass them spiritually. You both have the same access. But again, sadly, when it comes to spiritual things, the ladies are usually more in tune with the Lord and desire more with God. Again, look at the Gospels. We've been given the sea. We're the captains. They have the same access to the team owner and the GM. Are we making our wives more like Christ or less like Christ? Gentlemen, has, has she grown in her walk with Jesus because of you or in spite of you? Is her prayer life growing because she's praying for you or she's praying for you, right? Why is she growing in the Lord? You are both joint heirs. You have the same access. Right? Is she the one having to ask you, honey, change the channel. The kids are at home. Honey, can you not listen to that music when the kids are here? Honey, can you please come and read this Bible story to the kids? Again, I hope that's none of the men here. We are joint heirs. And when we get to heaven, we're going to be held responsible. What have we done? Are we really the spiritual leader, right? Is your wife the one begging you to come to church? Is your wife the one waiting for you to get to church on time? Or are you the spiritual leader saying, honey, let's go to church. Let's grow in the things of Jesus, right? You go back to Ephesians chapter 5, and part of the role of the husbands, of the men, is again, biblically, it's to have a, a friendship and relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way that we are going to be able to wash her with the word. Again, we can only give to someone what we have and what we possess. So if you men here have nothing when it comes to the spiritual things of God, if you're not in your Bible, if you're not reading you're not going to be able to give her anything spiritually. And again, some people lose track of like real life, right? I don't wake up every morning 
and get to spend an hour alone with Amanda, just reading our Bibles together, right? As our three kids under seven years old bring us coffee and breakfast, <laughs> and we sit down and we all pray together. That's, that doesn't happen very often, right? That happens at the couples retreat. That's basically about it, right? Life gets busy. But if I'm in my word, then just through natural conversation, I can talk to her about, hey, honey, this is what I'm getting through Scripture. Hey, honey, this is what I got studying. Again, there's real life happening. And especially if you have little ones, it's as chaotic as it's ever going to be, right? But again, that we would be growing as men in our walk with the Lord. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 27. Right? We read that. Verse 23, the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but as she should be holy and without blemish. Again, when we come into a knowledge of Jesus, when we come into a friendship and relationship with Jesus, are we more holy or less holy? Hopefully you're more holy, right? And now as a result of our marriage, husbands, is your wife more holy or less holy. Because when the church, when the bride of Christ comes in contact with Jesus, his desire, his plan is to sanctify her and cleanse her and present her having no spot or wrinkle, holy and without blemish. So again, husbands, are you bringing more holiness into your home? Or are you like the antithesis, right, of holiness in the home? Who are you? Are you truly fulfilling your role to love her like Christ loved the church, giving himself up for her, trying to sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word? That's why we have to be in God's word. Have you ever taken a bath without water, right? It's pretty difficult. On a mission trip, you got wipey baths every once in a while, but I hope that's not like your go-to, right? It's like, yeah, I saved so much money on water. It's so cheap, right? Just get wipies every once in a while. And that's all you really need, right? You're like scooting over from the person, right? You need that water. And that water, it can only come from God's word. That's why as the men, we should be going to the Lord. We should be the spiritual leader. And again, as we are joint heirs, there's a great warning to us, gentlemen, that there are great consequences to the man who does not fulfill his biblical role as a husband. There are great consequences. I was trying to look for funny father-in-law stories, but I really couldn't find anything. But again, imagine if your father-in-law owned FPL, right? Imagine if your father-in-law was your boss. Do you think the way you treat his little girl is going to sort of affect the power in your home? It's going to affect your paycheck? going to affect your hours? going to affect what you're doing? What God tells us here for the men is that we are to do all these things that your prayers may not be hindered. If you're in a season, gentlemen, where it just seems like God is just saying no to everything, if you're in a season where it just seems like you can't get anything from your devos, God is just on radio silent, I encourage you to look at your relationship with your wife and see if you have, in a sense, hurt his little girl. If you've hurt his princess, right? Again, having kids is awesome. Having boys is awesome. But Ella, she's pretty awesome. She's pretty cool, right? 
something special about a relationship between a daughter and a dad. And to see another man hurt her, again, the anger that arises just thinking about it, right? How much more God, the creator of heaven and earth, that was willing to sacrifice his only son, Jesus, to die for her. He died for you too, but he died for her. He cares about her. So now the way we treat our wives, again, if we're not fulfilling our biblical role as a husband, your prayer life, it's going to be hindered. It's going to be radio silent. Charles Spurgeon, he says, indeed, to true believers, prayer is so invaluable that the danger of hindering it is used by Peter as a motive why in their marriage relationships and household concerns they should behave themselves with great wisdom. He bids the husband to dwell with his wife according to knowledge and render loving honor to her, lest their united prayers should be hindered. Anything which hinders prayer must be wrong, right? I think we'd all agree with that. If any management of the family or want of management is injuring our power in prayer, there is a urgent demand for an alteration. Again, if your prayer life is not working, something is wrong in your life, and that should be addressed right away, right? I don't know if you've ever woken up and all of a sudden you got no voice, you can't talk, right? Be pretty alarming. Imagine waking up and you can't breathe. Be pretty alarming. That's the way we should look at our lives when our prayer life is like, Lord, something's off. So again, husbands, are you being loving? Are you dwelling with her? Are your lives connected more and more each and every day? Are you honoring her? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 through 26. It says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother or your wife, or your husband, has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother, your sister, your spouse, and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary, or your husband, or your wife, quickly, while you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge And the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into the prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. Again, God is watching our lives. God is watching how you're treating his little girl. And if you're hurting her, now you're going to come and try to hear from God for your business. Or you're going to try to hear from God for your own personal life. Or you're praying that you'll catch more fish or whatever thing you're praying for, right? Is your walk with God right? If your marriage is off, then your walk with God isn't right. Just plain and simple. Again, God is watching and everything that applies in Scripture and how we should treat fellow believers. We've been reading a lot about that in 1 Peter, right? How we should care for one another, love one another, honor one another. All of that applies to our marriages. Because she's a Christian too and she's sitting in the blue chairs like I talk about, right? So all of those scriptures applies to our marriages. Plus, God takes special care for the weaker vessels. It's all over scripture how God cares for the underdog, right? How God cares for that weaker vessel. Let's finally go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We were there earlier. And again, that reminder to us in verse 6. No, Jesus, he's not a comic book character. It's much better than that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 6, it says that no one should take advantage and defraud 
his brother, or again, or his sister in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. So again, here, gentlemen, if you're not treating your wife correctly, if you're in sin, if you're trying to mess around with pornography while you're in the middle of your marriage or you're flirting with other girls, God, he's watching all of that. He's not a fool. He's not an idiot. He's seeing exactly what you're doing. And now he's going to sort of put you on radio silence until you get right with him, until you stop your little sacrifice, your little show of religion so that other people think that you're a good person and you go to your wife and you reconcile the things that you have done wrong. And then and only until then will your relationship with Christ be back on track. And again, even greater than our marriages it's our walk with Christ. But a big part of our walk with Christ, it's our marriages. Again, they go hand in hand. Sometimes, especially as a single person, right? You think you just get to marriage and like life sort of just floats on from there, right? It's just like that wedding day, all, right? all the difficulties, just planning the wedding. After that, it's just on a cloud and you just get taken away. No, it's just another season in life. It's just another day to be able to give God more and more glory. It's just another refining fire he uses to reveal to us how selfish we are, right? Just how selfish we are. Marriage has taught me, man, I never knew I was so selfish, right? I never knew. I became so selfish all of a sudden when I married Amanda, right? It wasn't because of her. I just realized I love myself, right? We love ourselves. So again, that we would be biblical men and that the ladies would be biblical ladies. Our homes are going to be better. Our kids are going to be better. Um, again, before we get so concerned with, uh, with the politics and with our nation, and we should be concerned with our politics and our nation, are you that concerned with your home? Is your home so much in order that now you can help someone else, right? I don't remember the last time you were on a plane. But again, when you get on a plane, if the oxygen mask drop, who's supposed to put on the mask first? Yourself, right? Then you put it on the person next to you. If you think that you're going to help the nation by doing X, Y, or Z and your marriage is in disarray, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself. You're trying to put the oxygen mask on the whole entire United States of America and yet you have no oxygen. We have to take care of our own homes. Husbands, let's be the best husbands we can be. Let's be the best sons of God that we can be. Ladies, be the best daughters of the king that you can be. And that within that, we'd affect our kids. Finally, again, we'll close with that, man. Just... Think of how much your family and your growing up with your parents, how that affected everything in life, man. Almost everything in life is affected in how our parents treated us, how they took care of us, if they stuck around, if they left, if they beat us, if they took care of us or not, if they loved their mom, if they loved the dad. So we now, we think, ah, oh, our, our world is just terrible, our nation's falling apart, there's nothing I can do. There's lots of stuff you could do. Be the best husband you could be. Be the best dad you could be. Be the best wife you could be. Be the best mom you could be. And you're affecting one life or three lives or four lives, five lives, however many kids you have. That's how we can win things back. It's by being the priest of our home and living righteous before the Lord.